Okay. We are doing now Monday of Devarim. We just began this new final book of the five books. And the entire book of Devarim is primarily Moshe recounting to the Jews what has happened, what they've gone through in the past 40 years, highlighting various events, as well as giving them over commandments and reviewing commandments and details to commandments that we did not have before when we first learned them in the previous four books. So we're up to chapter 1, verse 11. May God, the God of your forefathers, add to you a thousand times yourself, and bless you as he has spoken of you. Rashi says, what does this mean, bless you as he has spoken of you? So, because when Moshe blessed them, you're going to be a thousandfold, because you said, Moshe, you're putting a little short blessing. God already said, we're going to be so numerous, you won't count us. That's what he promised Abraham, Abraham. As numerous as, as the dust. But you're now saying thousands. You're limiting us. Moshe said, listen, this bracha, this blessing is from me. God's going to bless you as he has spoken to you. Some say that, that's obviously a question, whether he's actually minimizing the blessing. This isn't a good thing. So some say that Moshe's bracha Moshe's blessing is being, would be realized much earlier while God's blessing is coming in the days of the Mashiach of the Messiah. Some say God's blessing comes when we deserve it and Moshe's blessing isn't contingent on our efforts. And there are many other such explanations. So now we're going on to the next topic that he is reviewing. Next instant. How can I alone carry your trouble and your burden and your quarrels. So Moshe is saying, I'm the judge, I'm the only judge, I'm the sole judge. Even if I wanted to be the sole judge because it's such a great reward, but I'm not able to because how could one person carry this? And especially when we consider what he was carrying, your trouble. So Rashi says, this this piece of us, how the Jews behaved, how troublesome they were. What does it mean troublesome? So again, here we're talking about Moses, Moshe as the judge. So he was judging the Jews, and he was like, I can't carry it alone. I need help. So the trouble they made is if they would see the other person winning the case, they would say, oh, I have more witnesses, I have more proofs, just you know, pulling it out and making it harder and harder. The burden is how they were so not appreciative of him. And if Moshe left home early to judge the people, they would say, oh, I guess Moshe's not so happy at home. He's leaving early. And if Moshe left late, they'd say, oh, what's he doing in his house so long? He probably was just fighting against us. The quarrels is because they were constantly quarreling. They're constantly fighting and arguing. Provide yourselves men who are wise and understanding and well-known to your tribes, and I shall point them as your head. So this was the response. So Moshe is saying, I can't do this myself. I can't handle ju- being the sole judge of three million people, let alone three million people like the Jews. So God is responding, okay. Provide for yourselves. Prepare yourselves for the matter. Men. So why is that were necessary? Obviously we know that a woman generally is not allowed to be a judge or a witness. Of course we know the prophetess Devorah was a judge, but in general, of course, women can't be judges or witnesses. So obviously it's a woman. It's a man. 
why does it say a man? Man means righteous. Righteous, revered man. Understanding. Understanding means someone that can derive one thing from the other. And Rashi says here, what's the difference between someone who's wise and someone who's understanding? So a wise person is a rich money changer who if you bring him the coins, he'll change. And if not, he waits. And the understanding person is a person who, if you don't bring him any coins, he's going to go out and create his own business. And well-known to your tribe. So Rashi here links the words well-known to the words to your tribes. Others book them as well-known and then separately for the tribes. Meaning they could be well-known for the tribes. It would be like people who have honorable reputation. They're well-known for the tribes. That's how Ramban, Nachmanides, looks at it. But Rashi looks at it that well-known is linked to the word to your tribes which means it has to be men with long-standing good reputation among the tribes, among the people most familiar with them. And I'll point them as your heads. Heads means they should be heads over you. You should treat them with respect and fear. Now this word, and I will appoint them, the asimim, is written without a yud. So it's a very unusual construction. So it suggests, if you switch the sin for the shim, the ashamam b'roshechem. Instead of, I will appoint them as your head, their guilt is on your head. Meaning, the guilt of the sinners is on the heads of the leaders. And we learn this again because the word is written without the yud to allow us to derive that I will place them, but the idea of guilt. Why is the guilt on the head of the judges? Because that's the job of the judge. The judge should have protected them. The judge should have protested. The judge should have brought, make sure the people in his area go in the righteous way. So if they don't, ultimately it goes back to him. So here's Moshe, who is saying, I can't handle this. Way too many people for me, especially very difficult people. And God's responding and saying, okay, here, here's a solution. Let's create a whole network of judges. So Moshe tells us to the Jewish people, you answered me and said the thing you're supposed to do is good. So this is very disrespectful. In other words, here I am. You have Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, as your teacher, as the one who's judging you. So you should have said, oh, no, we don't want to give you up. But that's not what you said at all. You were thinking, oh, this is a great idea because... Now we're going to have lots and lots of judges, so uh, I'm going to find someone I know. I'm going to find someone that I can mold and manipulate. And I'm going to find someone who will favor me. And if I don't know someone who will favor me, I'll bring them some gifts, someone, and they'll favor me. He looks at this as this is very good to help me in my future cases. And that's why you jump to it. Okay, the verse said... The thing that you're supposed to do is good. To do. So why do we have that word here? The Rashi is saying the word to do implies you would have told me do it. Do it quickly. Meaning you were looking forward to this instead of feeling like, oh, I don't want to lose Moses, Maestro Avinu, as my teacher, as my judge. You were like, go, go do it because they're already envisioning you'll be able to Manipulate the situation and get judges that will support what you want. 
So I took the heads of your tribes, men who are wise and well-known, and appointed them as heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, and leaders of ten, and officers for your tribes. So I took them, taking implies I'm taking them verbally, as we have a number of times in Chumash. So how did Moses, how did Moses take them verbally? He persuaded them and said, you're so lucky. Wow, look at this. Look who you're being appointed over. Over the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Over the people who are called God's brothers, God's friends, God's portion, God's inheritance. All of these expressions of endearment. These are the people you're now going to judge. Wow. It says that Moses found people who were wise and well-known. But he didn't find people who were understanding. That's why it's not written. There were seven chaits that Yisro told Moses to look for in Judges, but Moses only found three. Only found people that had three of the chaits he was looking for. Righteous, wise, and well-known. So that's what he had to settle on instead of his whole list of seven that he couldn't find. So they made all these judges as heads, give them respect, they should be first in buying, they should be first in selling, they should be first in discussion, they answer last, they leave first. All of these expressions of respect you have to give to your judges. Now, why do you have all these different leaders? Leaders of thousands is one person over a thousand. Every thousand had another leader. Leader of hundreds is one person over every hundred. So for every one leader of a thousand, you have ten leaders of hundreds. And the officers are the people who enforce the judgments. In other words, the judge gives a verdict, but who's going to make sure it's followed out? The person's getting lashes. Who's going to make sure he gets the lashes? So here we come to the officers, the shorter, whose job it is to enforce the words of the judge. And that's what it says in times of exile. If there's no officer, there's no judge, because the judge says something. But if there's no officer to, like, you know, produce the iron hand to carry through the judge's judgments, nothing would happen anyway. Therefore, we have the judge and we have the officer. Of course, we know... Now, coming to Mashiach, we won't need the officer at all. Rather, we'll have the judge and the Mashiach. I commanded your judges at that time, saying, listen among your brothers, and judge righteously between a man and his brother or his disputant. So I commanded them, I commanded them to be patient in judgment. Patient meaning, if you have the same case many times, don't say, oh, yeah, I know this one by heart, without really thinking about it, each case, deliberate over it, even though you've already read this case so many times. Why does the verse say, at that time? I command you, judges, at that time. What is at that time hinting to? Rashi says it's hinting to saying the times have changed. It's time is not like in the past. In the past, you're under your authority. Now you're subject to the people. Listen among your brothers. Listen is written in the ongoing present. And one of the explanations between a man and his brother or his discutant is this is in the ongoing present. And this idea of discutant, we have a number of different ways of understanding it. So the first way, the most simple way, is this is the other litigant. This is the one he is collecting words against to present them in court. Meaning the word, the shirish here is gero, 
So Gero, Rashi saying this first explanation, is like the root word agar, of Gimel Reish, to collect or to gather. That's the first explanation. Or, Rashi says, Gero can refer to the root word gar, to live. So this talks about a situation where there's a dispute on a dwelling. And here you could have brothers who divide an estate which they inherited, and they're arguing. And it could even be that they're arguing over the most small, petty things, like they fall left behind an oven and a stove, so it's small than an oven. And the argument is, who gets the oven, who gets the stove? You have to treat this case very, very seriously with patience. I mean, this is, this is new for them. This is, this is the first time ever. And that's how you have to view it. So going on, you shall not show favoritism and judgment. Small and great alike shall you hear. You shall not fear in the face of men, for the judgment is to God. And the matter that's too difficult for you, you shall bring to me, and I shall hear it. So, don't show favoritism. It's not actually, we would think it means don't show favoritism when you pass judgment, when a case comes before you. But Rashi explains it to mean literally in the act of installing judges. Meaning don't say, oh, this man is so handsome. We should make him a judge. He's so strong. We should make him a judge. Uh, he's my relative. We should make him a judge. No, you have to make sure the judge is someone who is expert in the law because otherwise, if someone's appointed for other virtues, he's such a nice guy. I'm going to make him a judge. He has a great sense of humor. I'm going to make him a judge. Well, all those things could be true. He could be a very nice person, but he's still ending up saying the guilty are innocent and the innocent are guilty because he doesn't know the law. So don't show favoritism in judgment. Don't show favoritism in appointing these unqualified judges. Small or great alike shall you hear, meaning it's just like different to the monetary size of the case in front of you. It's the smallest coin. It's a tremendous amount of money. Each one you have to judge with equal seriousness, equal weight, not even putting one in front of the other because it's more important. No, each one has to be judged very, very, very seriously. Or, Rashi says, when it says, small and great alike shall you hear, understand it as Tagalogos does, that you should say to yourself, oh, the person's poor. The litigant is rich. He, he really should support him. So I, I'm going to make him the poor man win, and then you know, the other man who's rich and has an obligation to support him will be supporting him, and the man will be earning his money, so to speak, in an honorable way. One has to become a thief. So that's one understanding. Or it could be the opposite. The person could say, oh, this man is so rich and honorable, and I see in judgment he really is wrong, and he owes about one little coin. I'm going to tell in front of everyone he owes a coin. That's not honorable. That's not respectful. He'll be so embarrassed. Uh, you know, in court I'll make him look good and look win- like the winner, and then after the phone privately he owes the guy the money, and he'll pay it no problem. No, we can't do that. Those are all considered completely inappropriate things to do. We don't put ahead the person that doesn't have money. We don't put ahead the person that does have money. We don't put ahead the bigger cases or the smaller cases. Everything is equal. Everything is significant to God.
So then it goes to say you shouldn't fear a person. Or, Rashi says, we might look at it in terms of not this word of fear, but taking in. Taking in your words because of a person. That we shouldn't take in the words, collecting or gathering. Because the judgment's God. So here we're saying you can't be unjust. You can't make the poor win if he doesn't deserve it. You can't make the rich win if he doesn't deserve it. Why? Because the judgment is God. If you cause people to be unjust, it's like you're forcing God to to take care of it. You're perverting God's judgment. And something difficult for you to bring to me, and this was viewed as a wrong statement. Even if they bring it to me, if they bring it to God. And therefore, when the daughter of Tzlafchad came to him to ask what is the law in this situation, when a man dies without, without sons, his only daughters, he didn't have the answer. This was a consequence because of this. I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. All the things that you should do, meaning the ten things where we have a difference in the judicial procedure between monetary cases and capital punishment. We journeyed from Horeb, which is where they received the Torah about a year before, and we went through the entire great and awesome wilderness that you saw, by way of the mountain of the Amori, as God our God commanded us, we came until Kadesh Barnea. And this great and awesome wilderness where there were snakes as large as beams and scorpions as large as bows. Then I said to you, you have come until the mountain of the Amori, that God our God gives us. See, God your God has placed the land before you. Go up and take possession as God, God your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not fear. Do not lose resolve. 